Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries, of curiosities, of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Let's get some volume up on this bitch. (laughs) Hello, hello, one, two, one, two. You sure you don't want to maybe take a, a nice cool shower before we begin? <laughs> Do I smell? No, no, <laughs> Is no. That what you're getting at? No, but you've been you've been out you've been landscaping, and uh, it's a beautiful summer day in Maine. It's like 80 degrees today. Yeah. And you've been out uh, doing doing some some light yard work. Well, I don't know how light. No, it's not light in any way. You I've, look exhausted. I've transported 18 bags of rocks over the last eight hours. Um, yeah, it's coming along nicely, and I'm very pleased with it, but I was it's I just so gross because I was weed whacking, and of course, the... Um, so, okay, so it's a rental property that we own, and um, nobody's living there right now, and so the lawn has not been touched Um at all this year so I'm weed whacking and everything's tall and as I'm killing it you know it's I can feel wet bits hitting my face and it's just it's not I'm covered wait, in it wait can you say that last sentence again don't oh don't be gross it's just I'm covered in botanical bukkake <laughs> <laughs> botanicaki <laughs> That's that's a new thing on Instagram. Like you don't even know. Like right now, look it up. Hashtag botanical bukkake. We're gonna find things that you have never seen before and probably wish you never had. So you've been real busy though. I mean, you, you're you're working on another podcast that you hope to launch at some point. Yep. Um, I have uh, a small obsession with ASMR, and so I thought it would be really uh, fun to to do my own ASMR podcast. Okay, now explain what AMSR is for, for those that don't get <laughs> I it. I love how you never say it right. A- ASR, um, member ASMR. It's, a- well, it stands for uh, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Ah. If you're not familiar with it, it's uh, it's how I get through stressful situations and how I sleep sometimes. So it's a uh, like a physical response garnered from audio, 
and like uh, like the soothing sound of someone folding towels. You know I love the towel folding lady. It's not easy to explain though, is it? It's not. And I was <laughs> my mom doesn't understand podcasts as it is. And so I was telling her about the ASMR podcast and and what I'm working on and she, I mean, she has a hard time caring about what I do anyway, but when she doesn't understand it, it's even less. And, and so I was like, well, it's, it's, um, sometimes it's soft voices or there are some who like the sounds of chewing and eating. That's not oh, my style, no. but, um, there are some who like the sound of fabrics there. It's, it, it can be a lot of things, but a lot of it is just soft, soothing calm voice and it can be storytelling or it can be and my mom just kind of listened for a little bit and she said so it's like videos and I said well it can be videos but in this case it's a podcast and she said and it's videos of women talking soft is this porn (laughs) and I was like no mom I'm not doing porn although although I've got a great idea for one called botanical bukkake it's going to be a hit. <laughs> what would be the premise of that? Would it be landscaping? Yeah. I heard you need your bush trimmed. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, so who goes first today? You go first today. I go first yeah, today. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, very exciting. Spin me, spin me a yarn, weave me a tail, Madam Cat, if you would, please. Right up front, some of you will not like this. Oh, that's a great tease. (laughs) I'm great at this job, by the way. This is what I do. Way to lock our friends right in. Yeah. It's awful and uh, not for everyone. You may want to just skip to Jethro's story, (laughs) but... uh, Attention, attention freaks. Turn the podcast off. (laughs) Turn it off now. No, I mean, I found it interesting. I think it's wonderful and and incredible, but, but not for everyone. Okay. So here we go. Parasites. How about it? Where's the fast forward button? <laughs> so um, one of the things that I looked up and did a little bit of research on is uh, parasites and the life cycles of certain parasites. And some of them are really interesting. I mean, as I mentioned, not for everyone. Mm. There's a lot of the word inside no. that I'm going to use uh, over the next few Listen, minutes. I get squeamish when I have a splinter. <laughs> and that's an inanimate object. The emerald cockroach wasp oh. is an example of a parasite, um, which is in the... Damn it, I should have looked this up. Hold on. Be patient. Entomophagus. Entomophagus. Entomophagus parasites, which are insects that are parasitic on other insects. Oh, that's okay. So this wasp, which is found in the tropics of Africa, South Asia, and Oceania, is known for its strange parasitic reproductive process involving a cockroach host. It is a beautiful bug, by the way. It's got a, like a metallic blue-green body, and it's quite lovely. I guess calling it a bug is kind of, I don't know, I was going to say insulting, but he doesn't care. So when a pair of wasps have mated, the female finds a specific type of cockroach that she stings twice. The female possesses a stinging organ, but the male wasp does not. The first sting accurately injects venom into a specific site into the thorax, temporarily paralyzing the cockroach. And then the second sting targets and disables a site in the cockroach's brain, which is responsible for the escape reflex. 
So it stings this cockroach so it can't get away. Then, because the cockroach can't escape and is at the mercy of the wasp, the wasp trims the roach's antenna and leads it to its burrow as if it's on a leash. Wow. Crazy, right? Okay, so then once they're there, the wasp lays an egg on the cockroach's abdomen and then buries the insect. Underground, a wasp larva hatches from the egg, eats its way inside the cockroach's body, and then slowly devours the internal organs from the inside until the pacified cockroach um, you know, kicks it. And then the larva completes its metamorphosis into an adult wasp, emerges from the roach's remains, and goes on to live, reproduce, and repeat the process. Sounds a lot like our tax structure here in the U.S. They're just eating us from the inside. Wow. Yeah. Way to make it political. I have a pretty good idea most people don't like paying taxes, <laughs> regardless of where they stand on the political spectrum. I... Agree with taxes wholeheartedly as long as they are going towards something that I agree with. Right. And that's the kicker. Bridges? Heck yes! I'm in! Thousand dollar bolts for Air Force One? No. No. Not so much. No. The guinea worm! The guinea worm is a roundworm parasite, and that's been preying on humans throughout history. So, Egyptian medical papyrus dating from 1550 BC mention the infection and specimens of the worm that have been found within bodies of calcified Egyptian mummies. No. Right? They're not still alive, though. They're not like The hybrid. mummies? No. That's oh, good. Because, yeah. Because I'm still freaked out by that Brandon Fraser vehicle. Damn it. I was trying to think of his name, and I couldn't come up with his name, and it was going to be so funny, but for me. <laughs> okay. The, uh, <laughs> the guinea worm's Latin name is Caletitis, and um, that means afflicted with little dragons, which uh, describes the terrible burning sensation as the worm wriggles under the victim's skin. No. Guinea worms are found in several countries in Africa and Asia, and particularly afflicts those with no access to clean water. That's how it finds its hosts. The parasite's life cycle relies on a host drinking infected water. Uh, they live inside microscopic fleas, and then when the host drinks the water that has the fleas in it, the stomach acid inside the body dissolves the flea but leaves the larvae free to burrow through the stomach lining and into its body cavity. The worms grow and reproduce, after which the male is absorbed by the body while the fertilized female continues to grow and moves into connective tissues no. in the host's limbs. No. Um, after about a year... You could go some time without even knowing that anything's going on. But after about a year, um, by which time the female may have grown to two or three feet in length, a painful blister will appear on the host's skin, uh, usually oh, yeah. on their leg or foot. That bursts, and the end of the worm will appear. Yeah, that's that's like um, Alien all over again. It's two in a row. Yeah. Maybe I stole we can that bring one. up Sigourney Weaver every episode. Because we love Golden Globe winner Sigourney Weaver. Where was I? Ah, oh, yes. Worms. I saw a video of somebody, of a doctor, pulling a guinea worm out of a person's head. Yeah? It was really gross. Um, I don't like guinea worms. 
So the victim feels a searing, burning pain, which can only be relieved by dipping the blistered area into water. And as soon as that worm's exposed and touches the water, thousands of larvae are released. That larvae's eaten by microscopic fleas, and the cycle starts once more. This is horrifying. It's awful, right? You know, we all accept that parasites exist, they're out there, but but I think the idea that most of them are so small, that that's how I deal with it anyway. Oh yeah, there are dust mites in my bed, but they're small. Mm. Moving right along, Saculina is another example of a bizarre parasitic life cycle from the animal kingdom, a group of parasitic barnacle that depends on crabs for its growth and reproductive process. So... A female saculina larvae finds a crab. It sheds its outer hard layer and injects her soft inner body through a joint in the crab's shell, entering the crustacean's body and uh, getting to to business. That is, again, that is such uh, like an, an alien invasion film. Well, all parasites are kind of give that alien feeling. That's how I feel about pregnancy also, is that it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, uh, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, of course. The saculina larva grows inside the crab and develops a sac, which hangs outside the crab's body where the crab's eggs would normally incubate. It also, while it's at it, renders the crab infertile. The parasite wants the energy that the crab would invest into reproduction to be conserved for its own growth and life cycle. Infected crabs are also prevented from molting their shells and regrowing lost limbs, further conserving energy and making sure that, that this the space it's occupying is, is kept safe. In male crabs, the parasite makes some incredible changes to the body and behavior of the crab. So they release a hormone that chemically castrates the male crab, changes the crab's body to resemble a female crab, and even makes the crab execute female mating dances. That is insane. That's a thing? That's, it's a, right? Okay. As long as they don't infect me that way. I don't want to be forced to dance uncontrollably. That's a whole nother episode. Oh yeah, that's right. Male saculina find an infected crab. They can they can seek out the crabs that have been invaded by Lady Saculina and fertilize the eggs in the female sac dangling from the crab's thorax. During the reproduction time in healthy crabs, the female finds a high rock and releases fertilized eggs from its brooding sac. Crabs with the the parasite perform the same behavior, but inadvertently release a cloud of saculina eggs they actually nurture and take care of the eggs as if they were their own offspring because they've been horribly horribly tricked once the larvae hatch from the eggs they're released into the sea and the process begins again this process needs to stop i mean yeah it's really gross and some of the videos that i saw today will live with me until I die. Yeah. But um, it's also fascinating. They can change the crab's body chemistry. That's amazing. That was lovely. Fluke worms. There is a, an X-Files episode about a fluke worm, but we're not going to get into that. It's a good one, though. The lancet liver fluke is a parasitic fluke. Is a parasitic fluke 
that displays one of the most complex parasitic life cycles currently known. The lancet liver fluke lives mainly in cows and in sheep. Um, it has rarely been known to affect humans. They spend their adult lives in the ruminants, such as cows and sheep, when uh, they reproduce their eggs are released into the feces of that animal. The first intermediate host, then, is a land snail. So that land snail eats the animal's feces containing the parasite's egg. It's only when a specific type of snail ingests the eggs that they hatch larvae. What? Right? I'm feeling woozy right now. The larvae then make their way into the snail's body tissue. The parasite irritates the host snail, which then walls the growing parasite off in a mucus cyst, uh, eventually coughing up a slime ball containing the larvae. You, you use the term mucus cyst. Next, an ant, the second intermediate host, eats the slime ball and ingests the hundreds of larval flukes contained in the cyst. The larvae distribute throughout the ant's body. Body. I don't know. That ant got sexy all of a sudden. Body. <laughs> body starring in botanical, botanical bukkake. One larva attaches itself to a bunch of nerves and begins influencing the ant's behavior in a remarkable fashion. And it is remarkable. Pay attention. In the evening... As the temperature drops and the rest of the ant colony goes underground, as they do, that individual zombie ant infected by the larvae walks off on its own, climbs up a blade of grass, and attaches itself to the tip of the grass. It remains there until the sun rises. Then the zombie ant returns to the colony and resumes its normal daytime activities with the other ants. The following evening, the infected ant again climbs up, attaches itself to a grass tip, and continues to do so night after night until it's eaten by a grass-eating animal like a sheep or a cow. Ah, okay. So he's bait. Yeah. Okay, that's terrifying as well. That's almost as terrifying as the term mucus cyst. <laughs> this God. should be our new t-shirt. Mucus cyst. Mucus cyst. The ant and the many larval flukes it contains are ingested by the mammal. The larvae burrow into the animal's stomach wall. Blah, blah, blah. You know how this goes. But it's incredible because it takes two other hosts to get back to where it needs to be to, to reproduce. Are you doing okay? Uh, I need a glass of water or something. We can take a little break. Back is itching like crazy because it's warm in here. You want me to scratch your back? Yes, please. I hope I don't have any guinea worms. You don't have guinea worms. I think I have guinea worms. You don't have guinea worms. That's nice. Thank you. I mean, you might have a fluke. What? You're listening to The Box of Oddities. Nothing better to do? Let's do that thing in the middle. It's a special audio version of that thing in the middle. This is all audio. That's what we do. But this is audio where we're not talking. Oh, what a relief. Some of the most amazing 911 calls ever placed. Or that you were able to find while you were scouring the internet. Right, yeah. First stupid reason to uh, call 911 to complain about your restaurant order. I have bought some Chinese food and it's not to par to me and I asked to get my money back and they acting like they don't understand me and took my food and won't give me my money back. And this is why you call 911? Um, what am I supposed to do? Jump over the thing and beat them up and get my no, money back? You could have called the regular police line instead of the life-threatening emergency line. 
The second horrible reason to call 911 is trying to get a date. I don't have an emergency. Two police officers just left my house just now. Third, can we get their names, please? Did you throw them back my way? Do you need them to come back there? Oh, I'd like that, yeah. Why do you need them to come back there? For um, because I have an emergency. I'll think of something. Honey, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I just thought he was cute. I'm 45 years old and I'd like to meet him again. She's looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, it is okay to call 911 for a medical emergency, but this is just embarrassing. Um, two um, Viagra um, pills, and um, my erection been up for like four days, and there hasn't been any signs of change whatsoever, and I'm really sick. In some cases, I'm really, really glad that you called 911, because this is delightful. I think I'm having an overdose of so my wife. Overdose of what? Marijuana. I don't know if it had something in it. Can you please send rescue? Did you guys have fever or anything? No, I'm just, I think we're dying. Okay, how much did you guys have? I, I don't know. We made brownies, and I think we're dead. Time is going by really, 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 really slow. <laughs> it's just, it's going so slow. I think I'm dead. And the last 911 phone call that we have, pretty sure it's not real, but I had to play it anyway because it's hilarious. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, um, my wife got attacked by a warthog real bad, and I need someone to come up with an ambulance and pick her up. Okay, sir, uh, can you give me your address? Uh, yeah, we're at 1825 Eucalyptus Drive. Okay, could you spell that for me, sir? Uh, I I'm going to drag her on over to Oak Street, and you can pick her up there. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Well, I came across a statistic that uh, that said modern medicine has uh, has seen more development over the past 50 years than all of humanity leading up to that combined. Wow. That's pretty fascinating. Sure is. So I thought I'd go back and look at some of the, um, the older ways that they used to deal with disease and injury. And Yay! These are odd medical practices from the past. You know I love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in the 16th century, if you had gonorrhea or syphilis, Aww. you know what the best way to get rid of it was? To sleep with a virgin. Yep. Actually, in certain parts of the world, they still believe that to be true with AIDS. Yeah, in some parts of Africa, they still believe, some people do, that, uh, that, that's, that that's true. The discovery of radium led to a whole industry of radium-infused products. And quack medicines. One advertisement uh, talked about the benefits of preparing radioactive drinking water, how that would cure pretty much any and everything. But there was a, there was a radium hand cream, and it was called Cleansing Radium Compound. Takes off everything but your skin, it says. Oh my goodness. Now, they didn't know, of course, about the ill effects of, of radiation poisoning until the workers at the factory started dying horrible deaths. Yeah. yeah the early part of the 1900s, because that was right around that time, right? It was the early part of, of the 20th century. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the early part of the 20th century, it seemed like people were just really excited about anything new. Sure. And it didn't even matter like what it was. It was like, oh, this is this is new and exciting and put it on your body. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I blame Thomas Edison for all of that because 
because people just thought anything was possible after he started inventing all of all of his amazing machines and and devices. Sure. But I mean, it led into like, even in the the 50s and 60s, it was like, oh, well, we can do this now. And it's space age and feed it to your kids. Plastic is good for you. Also in the early part of the 20th century, a very popular weight loss mes- method uh, relied on, yes, eating tapeworm eggs. Oh, look at how our stories are connected. Isn't that something? Touch hands over the microphones. Hand touch. Aww. Unfortunately, many tapeworm species actually have uh, horrific effects on, on the human body. Everything from malnutrition to vomiting and diarrhea and anemia. And yeah, I, you know what? Keep the extra 20 pounds. Don't don't worry about it. Don't eat tapeworms. That's bad for you. Like that's your official stance. Like you're taking a stand against <laughs> eating tapeworms. It's a controversial stance. But I'm not afraid to stand out there and say, no, 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 don't eat tapeworm eggs. Well, of course, enemas have always been uh, a popular treatment for, for centuries, actually. But they've not always been, let's say, quite as scientific as, as they are today. In some cases. There was a device called a, a clyster, which was a long metal tube with a cup on the end of it. I don't like the sound of this at all. The tube would be inserted, you know, in your butt. And uh, medicinal fluid would be poured into the cup and then introduced into the colon by pumping it in. Now, this was uh, popular right about the time that King Louis XIV in France was alive. He had reportedly over 2,000 enemas during his reign. Some even administered while he sat on his throne. And what they would pump into him was a concoction made primarily of boar's bile. They would take the bile from a boar, and pump it into King Louis XIV's butthole. What, what was the... Did did it say what the thought process there was? Was it... He's the king. You just do what he says. Is that why they call it a throne? Is that why <laughs> the bathrooms are called a th- Sure. Okay. Yeah. And finally, here's a fun and creative way to treat hemorrhoids. Did you know there is a patron saint of hemorrhoids? No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was an Irish monk. His name was St. Fiacre, and it was once believed that if a person did not pray to the canonized Irish monk, that they would suffer from hemorrhoids. It's so weird and specific. Yeah, yeah, you gotta pray to this guy, or you're gonna get swollen blood vessels on your butt. Hey, hey mom, how's it going? Yeah? Good. Oh, oh good. How's dad? Good. I want to tell you big, big news. Uh, canonized today. Oh, oh yeah. No, I'm... Sh- yeah, no, it's just because, you know, for regular stuff, no big deal. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's not important. It's just for regular stuff. Uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, patron saint of hemorrhoids. <laughs> no, mom, don't don't call the neighbors. If you did get hemorrhoids by not praying to St. Fiacre, there was an option. You would go to the monastery and monks would stick red hot iron pokers up your ass. <gasps> no! Presumably while chanting. Well, I'd hope so. Oh, that's horrible. What, so they just cauterize your, your butthole. Wouldn't yeah. that cause more problems? I mean, sometimes you buy that cheapy toilet paper, mm-hmm. and that's upsetting. Yeah. I can't even, like, I don't want to, no. That's... You, can't, you can't even picture it, can you? No. Well, let me help you. No. It would probably sound something like this. <laughs> 
How long? How long did you work on that? Um, all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 you love me. I do <laughs> so much. So there you have it. And I wonder if that's where the phrase came from. Well, it's better than a red hot poker in the butt. That common phrase that yeah, everyone's everybody heard. says that. All the kids do. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My aunt, who is nearly 80, uses the uh, the phrase, well, it's better than uh, poking the ass with a frozen carrot. I think that's uh, some sort of local main colloquialism. Colloquial. Colloquial. I think that's some sort of a local main saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's our next t-shirt. Theboxofoddities.com is, of course, our website. And you can email at us. What? And you can email us at curator at theboxofoddities.com. Of course, we have uh, have the social med. We've got fi- the book of faces, the grams that are instant, and uh, uh, the... Twatter. Twatter thing. Twinder. Twinder. <laughs> If you send us a message or a tweet at us or whatever, we'll get right back to you. We, we we try to be really good about that because we appreciate you guys. Oh, my gosh. We we so love hearing from you and getting feedback about the things that we, we're talking about. And we're you're teaching us so much. It's awesome. Next episode drops way, way early Monday morning, like about 12 midnight Eastern in the U.S. I think that we should drop our episodes at two minutes to midnight. Just what? kind of a, a shout out to Iron Maiden. I love that idea. Love you, Eddie. Um, and uh, until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you freaks. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those I report to to beseech you for assistance. The box of oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, On Twitter at BoxOfOddities And Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Ah. Ah. No. No. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? 
Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.